You're listening to Project Oncology on ReachMD, and this episode is sponsored by GSK. Here's your host, Dr. Charles Turk. This is Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and here to help us better understand the underlying mechanisms of myelofibrosis is Dr. Serge Verstavjek, who is a professor in the Department of Leukemia at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. Dr. Verstavjek, welcome to the program. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me here. So let's just dive right in, Dr. Verstavjek. What role does the JAK-STAT pathway have in myelofibrosis? The hyperactivity of a JAK-STAT intracellular signaling pathway is the key pathobiological abnormality in all patients with myelofibrosis. We know that the JAK-STAT pathway, the intracellular signaling pathway, is a cascade of protein that makes cells do different things. And the JAK-STAT pathway is involved in the blood making. It's also involved in the immunological system, activation of immune system, and in some other activities in the bone marrow and other tissues in the patients or in a regular person. But what happens in myelofibrosis is because of different genetic abnormalities, we have hyperactivity of the JAK-STAT pathway, like my patients call it the highway. It's always open and always running and makes us grow. Inflammation is another part where JAK-STAT pathway has a role. And so when you have a hyperactivity of JAK-STAT pathway in myelofibrosis patients, what do you get? You get uncontrolled cell growth and uncontrolled inflammation, which then clinically are relevant for that person. And are there any other genetic alterations that may contribute to the pathophysiology of myelofibrosis? Understanding why the hyperactivity of JAK-STAT pathway happens is the key for understanding the biology of the myelofibrosis in the first place. There are three usually mutually exclusive mutations in different three genes that happen in myelofibrosis patients, and most common and widely known is the mutation in the JAK gene, JAK2 gene. JAK2V617F mutation is present in about 60% of the patients. Calreticulin mutation is present in about 30% of patients, and in about 10%, we have a mutation in the MPL or MIPL gene. Now, as I understand it, anemia is quite common among patients with myelofibrosis. So would you tell us how that develops? You are right. We would say that there is a paradox here. You have a myeloproliferative neoplasm. That's where myelofibrosis is, MPN. You have a hyperactivity of JAK-STAT pathway that makes cells grow and makes people not feel well because of uncontrolled inflammation. And then you have anemia. How can this be if the cells grow without control? Well, the one consequence of uncontrolled cell growth And sometimes we do find patients with early-stage myelofibrosis where they have too many white cells or too many platelets in the blood. The uncontrolled growth of these neoplastic cells, malignant cells in the bone marrow, leads to a reaction of the bone marrow environment in a way that fibrosis develops, a scar tissue in the bone marrow. That's where the name comes from, myelofibrosis. Myeloid stands for the bone marrow cells. Fibrosis is a scar tissue in the bone marrow. And that fibrosis leads to contradictory clinical scenario that you ask about. Instead of having too many cells, people develop anemia. For those just tuning in, you're listening to Project Oncology on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and I'm speaking with Dr. Serge Verstavjek about the pathophysiology of myelofibrosis. So Dr. Verstavjek, what are some of the key biomarkers in myelofibrosis that we need to be aware of? As the part of the diagnostic process, we would test for the presence of these mutations that activate JAK-STAT pathway, JAK2 mutation, calreticulin, or MIPL mutations. That would cover about 90% of patients, and they're mutually exclusive, I mentioned. And presence of any of these, in addition to clinical findings, fibrosis description in the bone marrow, and other findings from the blood and physical exam, would lead one to make a diagnosis of myelofibrosis. 
But then there are key other biomarkers that we test for. There might be in about 40% of patients at time of diagnosis abnormalities in different chromosomes that carry genes. And uh, we also are aware of genetic complexity beyond those uh, driver mutations that activate JAXAT pathway. They affect the outcome of the patients. Having mutations in other genes like EZH2, SXL1, IDH, or in others have been shown by many to have a prognostical information and it affect the outcome of the patients and lead us to a different therapeutic approach. For example, presence of a multiple other mutations, and everybody in academic centers would go by testing through NGS for presence of other mutations other than the driver mutations, and the identification of multiple genetic abnormalities, which we call genetic complexity, would lead us to advise the patients to go to the bone marrow transplant sooner rather than later. Genetic complexity translates very commonly to more aggressive disease, higher likelihood of untimely death, and transformation to acute leukemia. That happens in about 20-25% of myelofibrosis patients. So looking for biomarkers, molecular biomarkers in particular, if not only for a grade of fibers in the bone marrow or abnormalities in chromosomes, are standard practice and become very informative or prognostically important for decision-making in everyday practice. Now, before we close, Dr. Rostavzhak, what are some key highlights you'd like our audience to take away from our discussion today? Understanding the underlying biological problem in any disease is a crucial one. And until 2005, we did not have a clue what is myelofibrosis all about. And then the discovery of the JAK2 mutation and then follow-up with the calareticulin and MIPL mutations established very well that in myelofibrosis and our other myeloproliferative neoplasms, the hyperactivity of JAKSAT pathway is the key abnormality, which eventually led us to develop inhibitors of that JAKSAT pathway. Now we have three different JAK inhibitors out there approved for management patients with myelofibrosis. Understanding genetic complexity that we talked about, it, uh, not only for the prognostication purposes, but for developing other non-JAKSTAT pathway inhibitors as the therapeutic uh, medications for management uh, of myelofibrosis patients is where the field is going. Those are all great takeaways for us to think on as we come to the end of today's program. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Serge Verstavzek, for joining me to discuss myelofibrosis. Dr. Verstavzek, it was great having you on the program. Thank you so much, It was my pleasure. This episode of Project Oncology was sponsored by GSK. To access other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash Project Oncology, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.